Hallelujah. Well, as you know, this yesterday we went up and we celebrated my mommy's 100th birthday. So she's, she's got another two days to make it because she said she wanted to, be li to live till she was 100 and so that birthday's not till the 6th. So she's got to make two more days. Praise the Lord. But we had a good time. Not sure she knew we were there all the time, but we had a good time. <laughs> Praise. <clears throat> when, you, when, you, when you're 100 years old, you have a right to nap when everybody else is hanging out. Praise the Lord. So uh, anyway, she did some napping. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to talk with you today about the God of, of the surprise. You know, <clears throat> as we read from 3 John, God wants us to be blessed in every area of our life. You know, the thing that's miraculous about him is how uh, he likes to bring, well, let me put it this way. Sometimes it's surprising how he does it. And it's surprising how quickly he can do it in our life. Like I said earlier, you know, something that we can work for, people can work for their entire existence. God can do in a moment. And so he wants to uh, work in our lives in such a way. And we see examples of this. You know, I think of, of Mary and uh, when the angel of the Lord appeared to her and announced that she was going to give birth. That, that was a surprise. You know, how many of you know that if you, for a woman, if she's never been with a man and, you know, they say you're pregnant, that's a, that's a surprise. And so there was, there was a surprise there. And we see it in other times in scriptures where God moved in, in ways that individuals were not expecting and at times that they were not expecting. But that's the God that we serve. And that's the God that I want us to talk about today. How he wants to, to work things. He wants to accomplish things in our life. And, uh, you know, from the very beginning, it was always his will for us to be blessed above and beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. You know, but because of Adam and Eve and because of the fall and because of man's sin, uh, we, we haven't seen that manifestation in, in the lives of all men as it's been God's will. You know, the Bible says that he's not a respecter of persons. And so that means that he wants each and every one of us to be blessed abundantly. But oftentimes we look at circumstances, we look at conditions, we look at ourselves. And we look at it and we say, well, that, that may be possible for somebody else, but it's not possible for me. You know, there, there's a point in time where we've got <clears> to <throat> get over ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. just, just get over yourself. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> remember one time Pastor Becky was down in Tulsa for some meetings. And uh, she came back. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how when somebody gets around some of these southerners, you know, it, it only takes about a day and they, they start talking funny. You know, and so she, she comes back and she's preaching this particular Sunday and, and, and she makes this statement. And, you know, and we, we, still, you know, we, we still make fun of her concerning it. You know, but she came back and she says, do you have a right to be sad? You don't have a right to be said. No, no, you, you listen to Pastor Beck, she doesn't talk that way. You know, she talks English. You know, they're, they're, they're leaving this week, so I got to give them a little better one. Rough time. But she says, do you have a right? Well, you know, we don't have a right. We have a right to be who Jesus has called us to be. We have a right to do what Jesus has called us to do. And you know what? Oftentimes our greatest hindrance is ourselves. Because we look at ourselves and we, we see our insufficiencies, we see our inabilities, and all of those things, you know. You know, for Mary, she had to look beyond what was sitting in front of her in the natural. Let's look at Luke, the first chapter, and I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible today. Luke, the first chapter in the 28th verse. So we're talking about God of the surprise. 
And so Luke 1, 28, out of the out of the message says, Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. You know, some of us need to pin that up someplace. Amen? Hmm. All right, don't pin it up then. <laughs> beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. I guess so. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Judah, uh, uh, Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how, but how, I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore the child will the child you bring to birth will be called holy, son of God. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost wants to hover over us. He wants some things to be birthed in our lives. And it's not going to be something that we expect, and it's not going to be something that we have to work so hard for. It's going to be something that he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. And the thing that we need to understand is that he wants to. He wants to do that in each of our lives. He, he wants to do that thing. That we look upon it and we see it as a surprise, but it's not a surprise to God. You know, I don't know about you, sometimes I look at my life and I just think it's not fair. God has blessed me so abundantly above what I would have ever dreamed or imagined. That's how good our God is. And the thing that we need to understand is that's what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. But oftentimes what we do, we get, we get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up in what I've done. We get caught up in what others have done. We get caught up in whatever, ancestors, whatever. We get caught up in all these things. Rather than looking at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and recognizing what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. You know, he's redeemed us. We're going to be looking later on at this one of my, another one of my favorite scriptures. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I'm so thankful I'm redeemed from the curse. Glory to God. I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing. My life is so blessed. And you know what? Every one of you in this room, your life is so blessed. But oftentimes the problem is, is we don't recognize it because everything else is yelling so loud in our life. We don't hear what Jesus has to say about it. What we need to do is quiet all those other voices. We need to look at Jesus. I'm sorry, I can't help it. She's, she's staring at me. And when you got a one-year-old staring at you, it's, uh, it's, it's tar tough to stay on target. <clears throat> because I've totally forgot what I was talking about. But I know it was good. Amen. Come on, agree with me. It was good. And so he's redeemed us from the curse. He's redeemed us so that we might have victory. You know, that, that word redeem, you know, we, we throw it out there. But I don't know that we often really look at it and examine it and realize what it's really saying to us. To redeem is to purchase. To buy back by payment. We had lost what we had because of the sin of man. But we were redeemed. We were bought back. You know, people, we, we always say, you know, salvation is free. Thank God. Amen? But it wasn't cheap. 
cost something, cost Jesus his life, cost the Father God to be willing to give up that which was most precious to him, his son. They gave him up for you and I. Why? So that we could be bought back because the, the wages of sin is death. And so there was a price, there was a penalty that had to be paid. And Jesus was willing to pay that price for you and I so that we could come back into the kingdom. We were, we were bought back. It means to purchase, to buy back by payment or to ransom from captivity. You know, we were a captive to sin. We were a captive to the things of this world. But Jesus came and he set us free. But you know what? Oftentimes we've got to look at it and we've got to recognize what Jesus has done for us. Because oftentimes what we do is we, we focus upon all the other stuff, all the other things that are going on around us. Jesus redeemed us. He rans ransomed us. He defeated the enemy. He brought us back into the kingdom. In Colossians, the first chapter, we're going to look at the, the 12th verse. Colossians, the first chapter, we're going to begin in the 12th verse. And it says, giving thanks to the Father. Give thanks to the Father. I mean, that ought to just be part of our life. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who has qualified. You're qualified. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're qualified to participate in, to receive the inheritance that belongs to us as the saints of God. He has. Now, I know I'm from Minnesota. But even in Minnesota, has is past tense. That means it's already taking place. He has delivered us. Everybody say, I'm delivered? Well, say it this way. I have been delivered. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love to whom we have redemption through His blood for the forgiveness of sin. Your sins are forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been bought back. You've been purchased with a price so that we might live that victorious life. But God doesn't, there, there's two parts to redemption. We're not just simply redeemed out of something, we're redeemed into something. Notice what it says here. You know, you've heard me share this before, where the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, God didn't just want to take them out of Egypt. They were to go into the promised land. They weren't to wander around in a wilderness for 40 years. It was like a two-day journey. They were to go from, from Egypt, the land of bondage, into the promised land, the land of freedom and wholeness. But what happened? They got interrupted for 40 years, wandering around in a wilderness. All of them that were over the age of 18 or whatever, 20, when they came out of Egypt, what did they do? They died in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. Why? The Bible says because of unbelief. Why did they not enter into the promised land when they were supposed to? Because of unbelief. Because they knew they were delivered out of, but they didn't recognize that the same God that delivered them out of bondage is the same God that was delivering them into freedom. And you know what? We have the same problem today. We recognize that Jesus died for our sins, that we've been delivered from the bondage of sin and sickness and disease. But do we recognize that we're to be redeemed into something? We're to be redeemed into the light. We're to walk into everything that Jesus has provided for us. 
There's no restrictions. If Jesus provided it, it's ours. Why? Because we're entitled to the inheritance because of what Jesus has done for us who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light and has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or into the kingdom of the son of his love. And so we need to recognize that we're to enter into something what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. Let's go back just a couple of books to Ephesians, the first chapter. In the sixth verse, Ephesians 1, 6. And it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which, why do we praise the glory of his grace? Because of that grace, by which, he made us accepted in the beloved. Well, I just don't know if God likes me. Yeah, he does. You're accepted in the beloved. In him, whom? Jesus, the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Once again, it's not about what we have done. It's what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And so what we do by faith is we recognize, acknowledge, and receive what Jesus has already accomplished for each and every one of us. He did it. He did it. But, but we need to step into it, to walk in it. Notice the seventh verse there out of the Amplified. It says, in him we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood. The remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings, and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. We have favor with God. Now you need to tell your face, you have favor with God. Because we have favor with God. I don't know about you, but that ought, that ought to make us happy, not mad. That ought to make us glad, not sad. To know what Jesus has done for us. And so sometimes we just need to remind ourselves. Because we allow the pressures of this world, the things of this world, to, to begin to dominate us. And when they begin to dominate us, they begin to control us. We, we, we talk about how our sins are forgiven, praise the Lord. But we talk, but do we also talk about what we've been, what we're to walk into? The life that is now ours because of what Jesus has done for us. But oftentimes we, we forget about that. We look at the world, we look at the conditions around us and, and we allow that to speak to us rather than allowing what God has to say to speak to us. In Galatians, the third chapter, and this is one I made reference to earlier, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us. Let me read this out of the Amplified. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, doom of the law, and it's conditions by himself becoming a curse for us for it is written in the scriptures cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree is crucified Jesus became a curse for you and I so that we don't have to be so that we don't have to experience the curse. But you know what? That's where we've got to be able to define between the two. We need to be able to recognize what, what Jesus has truly accomplished for each and every one of us so that we can walk in freedom and wholeness. 
And of course, every time I bring this up, people say, well, Pastor, you just don't like the law. I love the law. If it were not for the law, I would still be lost in my sin. It took the law to reveal to me that I needed a Savior. You know, that's why you find people that are that are religious that, that put their trust completely upon the fact that they, they've done certain things. It's hard to reach them. Because they don't realize that apart from Jesus, there's absolutely nothing worthwhile. There's absolutely nothing good in me. But because of Jesus. And so I am redeemed, not from the law, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Because the curse is going to bring death. Let me, let me just give you a couple examples of this. Deuteronomy 28. It'll just hardly roll off my tongue. Deuteronomy 28. <clears throat> because uh, I don't know about you. Deuteronomy 20. Maybe the first 14 verses. But the rest of Deuteronomy 28 isn't exactly a portion of Scripture that I like to spend a whole lot of time meditating on. Let me give you a couple examples as to why. Deuteronomy 28, verse 22. The Lord will strike you with consumption. I don't really know what that is, but I have a feeling it's not very good. With fever. With inflammation with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scourging. Now I understand what that is. And with mildew, they shall pursue you until you perish. Now I, I don't know about you, that, that's just not a verse that I spend a lot of time meditating on. <laughs> oh, it's, per, it's, it's pursuing me. Notice it pursues you. That's, that's, that's the curse. Galatians says, I'm redeemed from that. Yes. Everybody say, I'm redeemed from that. Redeemed. Amen. I, I don't know why. Uh, anyway. 29. Still in Deuteronomy 28. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man groping in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually. And no one shall save you. Sounds kind of hopeless to me. Verse 32. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to other people. And your eyes shall look and fail with, lo and fail with longing for them all day long. And there shall be no strength in your hands. I don't know about you. I don't want that. Verse 35. The Lord will strike you in the knees and on your legs with severe boils which cannot be healed. And from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Now I don't know about, that sounds miserable to me. That, that's a, that, there's absolutely nothing about anything that I just read there that sounds, ooh, I want that. <laughs> nothing. Wasn't a single thing there that I, that I want. But guess what Jesus did? He set me free from all of that. And you know what? It was, it was spoken to us that we're to walk in the fullness of it. In Isaiah 53, 5 it says, But he was wounded. For your transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. Jesus took our place. Jesus became our substitute. You know, one of the things that I learned playing football, that, and, and I played in a small school, so we we never got out of the game. We were in all the time. But if, if they sent in a substitute, 
when that substitute came in for me, that meant I didn't get to play anymore. I had to go to the bench because that individual took my place. And so everything that I had done prior to that when I was in the game, now it was his responsibility to do that. Jesus took my place. <clears throat> I don't get to play with sickness and disease no longer. Amen. Amen. I don't get to play with poverty any longer. I don't get to play with the bondages any longer. Why? Because I've been substituted for. Jesus took my place. He took it all upon himself. So why do we still want to play when we're out of the game? You know, I've been sick. I mean, I've been poor. And I've been rich. Well, you know, Pastor, you learn things from being poor. I learned something when I was poor. I'll tell you the number one thing I learned when I was poor. I don't want to be poor. I learned some things when I was sick. I've been sick. I, I learned some things when I was sick. The number one thing I learned when I was sick is I don't want to be sick. I've been down. I've dealt with things. And basically what I've learned from most of those experiences is I don't want that in my life. And so, but, but what we have to realize is I don't have to have it in my life. Because Jesus took it upon himself so that I don't have to. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastise of my, of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I have been healed. Oh, Pastor, you didn't read that right. It doesn't, it's not in the, for it is when I read it. That's how it ought to be when you read it. It ought to be in the first person. You ought to be reading it for yourself. You ought to be recognizing this is what Jesus did for me. You know, this, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't just a book. This is, this is the word of God. And this word of God has been put on these pages so that you and I can receive it personally. But see, I have an obligation then to receive it personally. If I just see it, it's for all of us, I'm not taking it and, and bringing it down to where the rubber really meets the road. And that's when I'm being attacked. And that's where I need to be able to stand and Carry on. A couple more edifying verses out of Deuteronomy 28. Verse 38. You shall carry much seed out to the field, but gather little in. For the locust shall consume it. Well, that may be every place else, but it's not that way on our farms in Greene County and wherever we're from. Why? Because we're redeemed from the curse. And so that means that when our farmers put seed in the ground, they don't take back a little. They, take, they, they bring in a whole bunch. And you know what? The locusts, they can just fly, fly away. Because we want nothing to do with them. Why? Because we're redeemed from it. Verse 41. You shall beget sons and daughters but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. Not, 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 my, not my kids, not my sons, not my daughters, not my grandchildren, not my, if Jesus tarries great-grandchildren, they are not going to go into captivity. No, 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 no. In captivity here, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, 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 they're put into slavery. There, there's all kinds of captivities out there. My, my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, they're, they're free from captivity in Jesus' name. They'll live out their life and they'll be whole and they'll be complete. And, and the bondage that the enemy wants to bring in their life, it may affect everybody around them, but it's not going to affect them. Why? Because the Word of God is working in their lives. 
Amen. I could preach right here, but I better not. Verse 43. The aliens, the alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you. And you shall uh, go down lower and lower. No, 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 no. We're, we're rising up. Why? Because of what Jesus has done in our life. What we do is going to be significant. Why? Because of what Jesus has done in our life. But you know what? We need to recognize what he's done in our lives. Is it important for us to, to, to see the curse? Yeah, it is. It reveals to you what you don't want. And not only what you don't want, what you don't have to have in your life. But you know what? We have to rise up and we have to be bold enough to say, no, 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 no. And, and you don't have to be How do I say this rightly? You don't have to be spiritual about it. O Lord of God of heaven and earth, uh, we shalleth not alloweth any of these things in our lives. No, is, is this how we do it? No. Ain't going to have nothing to do with it because Jesus has redeemed me. Sickness tries to come against everybody? No, 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 no. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Poverty, lack tries to come into your life? No, 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 no. Why? Because I am the redeemed of the Lord. And he redeemed me out of poverty. And he re redeemed me into abundance. Redeemed me out of sickness and disease. And redeemed me into health, wholeness. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. He's paid the price. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Amplified, it says, God is able. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad? But you know what? A lot of people know he's able. They just don't know that he's willing. But you know what? God is able and he is willing. The reason that I know that he's willing is because he's made his inheritance available to me. And he did the same for each and every one of us. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I don't know, maybe you're not reading the same thing I am. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Okay. But let me try it again. And God is able to make all grace every favor and, every, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstance and whatever the need be self-sufficient possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every work and charitable donation. You know what that sounds to me like? I got more than enough. Amen. I got enough to meet every one of my needs and enough to help meet the needs of others. Amen. And see, to me, that's what prosperity is. Prosperity is where, where my needs are being met and I have enough to meet the needs of others. I have enough to give, to see to it, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached throughout the world. That's what we're called to do. That's the number one commission that was given to each and every one of us. And so if you don't have enough money to put in the offering plate so that missions can go forth, you're, you're busted. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. Money in the bank doesn't determine prosperity. What determines prosperity is the concept that I have of what God has done in my life. I, I've, <clears throat> the, Jesus talks about the woman that put in everything that she had, the three pennies in the offering. And all the wealthy folk are sitting back there and Jesus says, she put in more than y'all. Really what it comes down is to because she put it out in faith. It wasn't what was left over. 
She gave God her best. We read this earlier. I want to read it again. Third John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. This, this is revealing what his will is for us. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In all things. He doesn't want you to struggle from paycheck to paycheck. Pastor, I, I just don't think you should, should talk about money in church. Well, then you've got to throw out about two-thirds of the Bible. Because he talks about money, he talks about being blessed. Why? Because he wants us to be a blessing. And how can you be a blessing until you are blessed? And so he wants us to be a blessing so that we can be a blessing. John 10.10 10 says that the thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And again, this is talking about every area of our life. We're to experience the abundant life. We're to experience above and beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. That's where God wants us to be. That's the life that he wants us to live. He wants to, us to have the abundance. In Acts the 16th chapter and 31st verse, and he says, and they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself up to him. Take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping and you will be saved. And this applies both to you and your household as well. Put ourselves in his keeping. You know, we, 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 we try so hard. But you know, when we put ourselves in his keeping, when we put our trust in him, when we begin to acknowledge him, he says, it's not only going to be for us, for me, but it's going to be for my children. It's going to be for my grandchildren. It's going to be for my entire household. That's why it's so important for us as, as, a, as adults that we don't fall the way that we see taking place in the world today. We don't see parents bringing their children to church. We don't see parents sitting there with their children. Why? Because we're too busy. But you know what? If it's not imparted into their lives, they're not going to live it out. They're not going to walk it out. They're not going to experience the abundance of blessings that God has made available to us. See, I believe the blessing is to go from generation to generation. It isn't supposed to start all over again. It's not up to your children to go out and find God for themselves. It's your responsibility. It's our responsibility to see to it that they see God for who he really is. That he's a loving father. That they don't have this the world's idea of God. That he's a God of hate. He's a God of violence. He's a God that... There are so many attributes that are given to God that is... It's pathetic. But it's because we haven't portrayed him rightly. And they need to be able to see that God is a God of love. And that he's a God that cares. In Galatians, the third chapter... The 23rd verse, it says, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Remember what I said about the law. If it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know we needed a Savior. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God. <clears throat> and actually, that word sons of God there in the Greek is the word huos. That means that you are a mature son of God. That means all the blessings that belongs to the, to the adult son belongs to you and me. And of course, son here, God has male and female sons, so don't be offended. It has no gender to it. 
And so all of us, male and female, we are sons of God. We are mature sons of God. That means every one of the blessings that he's made available belong to us. And so we are sons of God. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have, been, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are, heir, then you are Abraham's, Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is only one way that we can have true oneness, and that's in Christ Jesus. You can pass all the law, you can do all the debating you want, you'll never get it. It's in Jesus where we find our peace and we find wholeness. In Galatians 4, 4, Amplified, it says, But when the proper time had fully come, God sent his Son Well, that's just not right. Somebody called me in church when I'm preaching. <clears throat> anyway, let me try again. I hung up on him. But when, and you see, the problem is, you didn't hear anything. But it goes right into my hearing aids. So all I heard was a phone ringing. So... But that's what happens when you call me when you ought to be in church. <laughs> but when the proper time, it is an 886 eight, number, so you know it was trying to sell me insurance. Because people aren't in church where they ought to be. But when the proper time had fully come, and so if you come to church and you turn your phone off, you'll be able to miss out on a lot of those stupid calls that tick you off. Amen. So, but, when the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law, to purchase, this is why I came, to purchase the freedom to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who are subject to the law. That we may be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's sons. We're to be recognized as his children. The law. It's not the law that we're talking about. We're talking about the curse of the law. When you try to live under the law, in a sense what you do is you bring the curse upon yourself. So what do we do? We walk in grace. We recognize what Jesus has done for us. We acknowledge what Jesus has done for us. When the attack comes, we come against the attack by acknowledging what Jesus has done for us. How do we live the victorious life? By acknowledging what Jesus has done for us. Because, you know, the more that we acknowledge what Jesus has done for us, the more that we believe it, the attacks are going to come. But when our belief is greater than the attack, the attack has, has no chance. One last scripture, Titus 2.14. Once again, speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for us. I mean, I mean, just think about that. If you, if you want something to go home and meditate on and eventually end up in tears, meditate on that little phrase right there, 
who gave himself for us. Only change it. Who gave himself for me. That's what Jesus did. He gave himself for you. Why? So that you could be redeemed, so that you could be whole, so that you could live a victorious life. And the more we focus on it, and the more we meditate on that, and the more we think upon that, the more real it becomes to us, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us. And this is why he did it. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Zealous for good works. We, and by we I'm not separating us from everybody else. We who believe on Jesus Christ. That's what he did for us. He redeemed us from every lawless deed. So when temptation comes your way, you just simply say, I'm redeemed from that. <laughs> well, you're saying I'm going to be tempted? Oh, yeah. But how do I deal with those lawless deeds? I'm redeemed from it. Well, Pastor, don't I have to fight it? You just did. You acknowledge, you recognize what Jesus did for you. you res That's what resisting is, is recognizing what Jesus has done for you. And then choosing what Jesus has done for you. But the enemy has to go. He has to flee. Why? Because he has no authority over you. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. See, it's not about you. I know we all want it to be about me. Well, don't look at me with that tone of voice. You know that is true. We all think it's about me. It's not about you. He didn't purify you, you for you. Did it for him. And so that's why we live our life for him. It's because of what he did for each and every one of us. Well, pastor, that sounds pretty boring. Well, then you've never experienced it. Because there's absolutely nothing boring about it. As a result of Jesus giving his life for us, we can now be free from all iniquity. Think about that. Free from all iniquity. Sin is no longer an issue. We are cleansed and made whole. The curse came to destroy, but the blessing came to give us life. Bad habits, bondage, and addictions came to destroy but freedom, liberty, and self-control now reigns. Pain and sickness results of the curse. Healing and wholeness results of the blessing. Stress, worry, anxiety, pain, fear, and rejection came as a result of the curse. Calm, ease, joy, peace came as a result of the blessing. Harassment, torment, and oppression, the result of the curse. Rest and restoration, result of the blessing. Deuteronomy 30 says, I set before you this day life, death, blessing, cursing. Choose life. 
What's that saying? It's saying we, we, have, a, we have a choice. We, <clears throat> and that's old covenant. We have greater opportunity to choose. I choose Jesus. Because when I choose Jesus, I choose blessing. When I choose Jesus, I choose not to live by and walk under the curse. I choose the freedom. I choose the wholeness. And I do it through one thing, by simply choosing Jesus. Choose Jesus. Remember the old billboard? Jesus is the answer. What's the question? It's the truth. He's the answer. He always has been the answer. He always will be the answer. Choose Jesus. So Father, I thank you today that because of Jesus, we can choose. And so today, we choose. We choose your will. You ch we choose your way. Have your way in each of our lives that we might fulfill your plan, your purpose, that your kingdom might be furthered, and that you might receive all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory because you're worthy of it. And so, Father, as we go, we go as your representatives, your ambassadors in this hurting world. Use us to touch lives, Father, for the good, that they may see you and your goodness in our lives and in our actions. And Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. And so as we go, we go in his strength, his peace, his love. We go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Just tell them they're redeemed.